The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Okay, so we're about the seventh week into this series on called Better Together on the Body. Um, so often we're independent. We like to do things our own way. And yet God didn't create us to be alone. He created us to be in body. And as we're going to come into today, the exciting thing is that that isn't meant to end. Uh, It's meant to go on for eternity. And that's what we're going to look at today in a, a passage that I'm guessing that most of you have never heard preached on before. Um. In fact, this is a passage that, I, that is one of the ones I require when I do premarital counseling for couples to read. And without exception, everyone has read it and said, what does that mean? Why am I reading that? So hopefully by the end of today, you won't be asking that question. And you'll be glad that Luke 16 is actually in the Bible. So we're going to read Luke 16, if you'd follow along. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Well, so the manager starts thinking to himself, what am I going to do? My master is taking away my job. You know, to bring it into today's context, you say my boss is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. And I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'm going to do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So this is what he did. He called each one of his boss's debtors. And he asked the first, how much do you owe my boss? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And so he tells him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. So you you see, he's in the minds of these other debtors, he is still an employed manager. So he's giving him this guy a 50% discount, pretty good. Then he asked the second one, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat you don't know what a bushel is, I don't remember either, but it's a lot. So, a thousand bushels of wheat, he replied, and he told him, take your bill and make it 800. Just chop 200 off his debt. So the master, the boss, interesting, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Verse 9, it's the key verse. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? We could say eternal riches there. Uh, 
Verse 12. If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Let me just pray again. Father, I pray that you would open our our eyes to see what you are communicating to us in your word and you would open our hearts to respond to it. Um, That we would have hearts that follow after your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. What will your legacy be? What difference is your life going to make in the few years that God has given you here on this planet? What will your legacy be? I have a few quotes. I want you to just think about them. These are quotes that people, some people that I know and some I have no idea who they are. Benjamin Franklin said this. This is great. He said, if you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead, write something worth reading or do something worth writing. It's pretty good, huh? William James said, the great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. Okay? And it's funny, there's two different quotes here and they, are, they actually contradict each other. Somebody called Miles Monroe. Anybody know who that is? I don't either. Um, and what's interesting about these quotes that have been recorded uh, in posterity for all of us to read, meaning they were probably important because nobody's going to probably quote me, um, is that we don't know most of these people. And it it kind of goes along with what we're talking about here. What will your legacy be? These people that seem to be so important and are quoted, most of us don't even know who they are. So what will your legacy be? How long will your legacy last? Because I guarantee you, once we're dead and gone, it won't take long before we're forgotten. But will your legacy continue? That's what I want you to be thinking about. This guy, Miles Monroe, said, True leaders don't invest in buildings. Jesus never built a building. Side note, Jesus never drove a car either, but you probably want to buy a car anyway. (laughs) They invest in people, meaning true leaders. Why? Because success without a successor is failure. So your legacy should not be in buildings, programs, or projects. Your legacy must be in people. It's a good statement. But it's funny, the next person, Julia Morgan, anybody know who she is? I didn't know who she was either. But I researched her. She actually was an architect who designed over 700 buildings, one of them being the Hearst Castle. 
in California. So a well-known architect, well, at least she was, she said, my buildings will be my legacy. (laughs) The opposite of what the previous person said. My buildings will be my legacy. They will speak for me long after I'm gone. But they're eventually all going to be torn down too, right? And then what will her legacy be? James Dobson, that's probably a name that some of you know, said, my legacy doesn't matter. It isn't important that I be remembered. It's important that when I stand before the Lord, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to finish strong. That's good. Somebody else said, I'd like to be remembered as someone who made a difference in the lives of young people. Um, That would be a lot of you here today who have been at camp. That I nurtured someone and taught them to pursue their dreams and their careers to leave a legacy. And then, uh, this is for all you young people, which is most of you younger than me. Uh, I want you to guess who said this last quote. No matter what happens in life, be good to people. Being good to people is a wonderful legacy to leave behind. And that's, that's good. Was it you? <laughs> well, thank you, Joy. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, just want you to know that I keep up on contemporary culture a little bit, okay? Um, we're not close, but, you know... <laughs> so the question what kind of legacy will you leave and I think as we come to Luke 16 and if we can come back here the idea is live to leave an eternal legacy live to leave an eternal legacy, something that will go on and on and on. As we come to Luke chapter 16, let's, yeah, let's go back to verse 1. The, um, there's three points that I really want us to get in answer to the question, how do we do that? How do we live to leave an eternal legacy? And I think the answer is in these verses. And the first one is act shrewdly okay act shrewdly we actually see that and I want you just to kind of make this a modern day example for you I want you to imagine that I have a manager at one of my coffee oasis locations okay so I oversee all the coffee oasis business locations I want you to imagine that I have a manager like this and they're a horrible manager. A side note, I'm not talking about any of my managers, okay? Um, They're abusing their responsibilities. They're wasting supplies. Their labor percentage is high. Their cost of goods is horrendous. And if you don't know what that means, that's okay. I didn't either before I was in business. They're treating customers and employees terrible. They're just a horrible manager, They know that D-Day is about ready to happen, meaning depart day, okay? And that 
I'm going to bring them to account and we're going to have this meeting and, and they're going to have to leave because I repeatedly talked to them and they're just um, not doing well as a manager. So they think, I have a meeting with Dave in two weeks and I know he's going to fire me. So I know what I'm going to do. And so he or she secretively begins their own business. And they're going to call it the Cafe Oasis. It's pretty clever, huh? And, uh, and so they make plans. They, they buy a location. They do this all really quickly. And the last two weeks before our meeting, they make up coupons that say free espresso drink, free panini, and they hand them out to all of my customers their last two weeks while they're working for me. And it says, come to a better place, the Cafe Oasis. (laughs) Now, what am I going to think about that? I mean, say, that's great, another new business in town, right? (laughs) No, no. I'm going to be a little upset. But if we go to the next, the next verse, let's go to the next one. Oh, whoa, whoa, a little show going on here. Okay, here we are. Eight, verse eight. Notice, this is the moral of the story. I mean, the master, the boss, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly, Okay. Now, what does this mean? Does it mean that my manager did right or that this manager did right? That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, and I'm going to kind of put it into language we can understand, is that being a follower of Jesus doesn't exempt you from being good at what you do from being the best at what you can be. The point here is be the best here on earth that you can be where God has put you and how he has gifted you. Be the best. Be the best engineer. Be the best teacher. Be the best doctor. Be the best student. Be the best business person. A lot of times I think as Christians we get the idea that being godly... (laughs) means we can be lazy or we can be second best because God will love me anyway, right? (laughs) The point, and it's really important to get, is God commends shrewdness. God commends wisdom. God commends being the best. Learning your times tables if you're in school, right? Not saying, oh, that's stupid, Okay, that was, a, that was a teacher, I think, yeah. Um, study, study marketing technique. Strategize. Be up on the latest thinking in your field or study or work. Be an expert. I think that's what it's saying. God has called us to be the best we can be in what he has gifted and called us to do. Be smart, be shrewd. Now the question is, why? 
why has God called us not to just get by until we go to heaven? Maybe you've heard this song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Now, if this world isn't my home and I'm just passing through, why don't I just get by or escape until I get to heaven? Because God has called us to be the best we can be. It's really important. When we think about an eternal legacy, and the, the second point is going to talk about this, and we think about heaven, that doesn't mean that God hasn't called us to be the best we can be here right now. Everybody get that? Okay. In whatever you're doing, student, worker, teacher, it doesn't matter. Be the best you can be for God's glory. Number two, the question is why? It's because God has called us to be the best we can be for an eternal purpose. For an eternal purpose. Let's go to verse 9. And this is the key verse. It says, I tell you, use your worldly wealth. We could say your worldly gifts, your worldly abilities, whatever, however God has gifted you or whatever he has given you, use it to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The point is, live to leave an eternal legacy. The reason we're to be the best we can be is to do it for an eternal purpose. It's so that the lives we live, the things we say, the things we do will attract people to Jesus. It's not just to build a building that will last and people will look at and say, they were an incredible architect. It's not just to teach or to engineer or to repair, but it's to do these things in the name of Jesus for God's glory so that people will see what we do, they'll hear what we say, they'll witness how we live, and they'll be drawn to Jesus so that when we arrive in heaven they're going to be there to welcome us. You see that? That the way we've lived, the things we've said, the things we've done, it's going to draw and attract people to Jesus so that when we arrive in heaven, they're going to be there because of us and they're going to be there to welcome us. We're going to have created not just a temporary but an eternal legacy. Um... We can go to verse, well, actually, verse 10. Notice it's not just talking about being great at what we do, but it's talking about being faithful. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. If what God gives us we can be trusted with, then God's going to use that to bring eternal results. Verse 11, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Verse 12, and if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Question, are you creating an eternal legacy? As you go to work, as you go to school, as you live your life, as you say the things you say as you do the things you do, do you do them in the name of Jesus in a way that it draws people to Jesus, changes people's lives for Jesus or is it just for the here and now? So people think, 
Man, what a great teacher. And you want to be a great teacher, but you want to be a great teacher that attracts people to Jesus. So it's, it's Jesus that gets credit for the teacher you are, for the engineer you are, for the, for the student that you are, the business person you are. Is it done in the name of Jesus? So when we come to verse 13, we kind of come to the conclusion and the third point, which is examine your heart. And a question, why do you do what you do? Verse 13, it says, No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You, can, you could say you can't serve God and you can't serve yourself, your own ambitions, your own intentions. You can't serve God and, and be out to just make money. Making money isn't bad. But are you doing it for God's glory and for God's purposes? For, is, it, is, it, is it bringing about eternal purposes? Is it attracting people to Jesus? Is it sacrificially being given? Or is it all about you? The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and, and sneered at Jesus. They, they put on a show as we go to the, the, the next verse. They put on a show in the eyes of other people. And other people thought they were just incredible. They were amazing. They were spiritual. They were religious. But, but God knew their hearts. It was about them. It was about the praise of men. It wasn't about an eternal legacy. Um, I want you to think about your life for a moment. Kind of about what this passage says. Act shrewdly. Be the best you can be. That's what God calls you to be. He doesn't call you to be a second-rate worker, a second-rate student. Be the best you can be. But be it for an eternal purpose. That people would see how you talk and how you live and what you do, and they'd be attracted to Jesus. Leave an eternal legacy. But then examine your heart. Think about your life for a moment. Are you being the best you can be at what God has gifted you to do? Maybe for some of us there needs to be some repentance saying, God, I've been, I haven't been the best I can be (laughs) in what you have given me to be. Are you being the best you can be? Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for others to look at you and say, Wow, you're pretty cool. You're, you're amazing. Um, you know, those some people that say, same people that say you're cool and amazing are, uh, could be the ones that are talking behind your back and, and gossiping about you the next day. Uh, how long will your legacy last when you die? One hour, people say good riddance. <laughs> uh, three days, two years. Eternity? Will there be, be people in heaven to welcome you when you get there? Because your life and your words and your deeds are what brought them there, what drew them to Jesus. You know, it won't be that many years before 
hardly anyone will think about Dave Frederick when they think about the Coffee Oasis. That's just a reality. When, when I die, it won't be that many years before when people think of the Coffee Oasis, they won't, even, who's, they won't know who Dave Frederick is because the Coffee Oasis will be those who are carrying on the mission that God has called the Coffee Oasis to be, changing the world for homeless youth, for God's glory. Um, that isn't bad. That's, that's life. But, but it doesn't have to be something we sorrow over, grieve over, if our goal is an eternal legacy, that, that the point of the Coffee Oasis or the Refuge Church or our individual lives as we live them out at work or live them out at school or, or camp or wherever we are, that our legacy, our, our longing is that people would be in eternity with us because of how we've lived our lives. So how has God gifted you? What do you love to do? Do it in such a way that it leaves an eternal legacy. Baking pies. You like to bake pies? Then bake pies and give out pies in a way that will draw people to Jesus. Being extra patient with a misbehaving young person at camp. (laughs) Where they'll be drawn to Jesus instead of just experiencing the same thing they've always experienced. Teaching in children's church. I thought I should throw that one in there. Um, It was, uh, Daniel shared this at camp on Thursday night. It was at a five-day club that Daniel came to Jesus. It could be a children's church that you have the opportunity to create an eternal legacy by pouring yourself into one of these young people, praying with someone who's hurting, visiting a neighbor in the hospital, speaking a kind word, sharing a moment of sorrow or joy, sacrificially giving, caring about someone at work that you can tell is going through a hard time when maybe everyone else is talking behind their back, spending time in one of our Oasis centers, mentoring a young person, welcoming people as part of a home team. There's just, we could go on and on. How has God gifted you? What is he giving? What has he given you a love to do? Do it in the name of Jesus and live to leave an eternal legacy. So one of my favorite songs is thank you for giving to the Lord. Um, I'd like you to listen to the words carefully. And as you listen, think, how am I leaving an eternal legacy? Dreamed I went to heaven. You were there with me. We walked upon the golden streets beside the crystal sea we heard the angels singing then someone called your name we turned and saw a young man he was smiling as he came he said friend you may not know me now then he said but wait You used to teach my Sunday school 
when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. One week when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Then another man stood before you. He said, remember the time a missionary came to your church. His pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. One by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed, and I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry but I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord he said my child look around you for great is your reward thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Thank you for giving to the Lord I am a life that was changed thank you for giving to the Lord I am so glad you gave let's pray Father ah, what an incredible picture to imagine arriving in heaven and welcomed by numbers of people whose lives have been impacted by our life, 
who are in heaven because of us, because we have lived a life that has left an eternal legacy. Father, help us to be people that live for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.